Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Doors are very much a part of our life. Roads are very much a part of our existence. We come into this world naked through the matrix of our mother's body. We leave this world with whatever clothes people allow our bodies to have on them. But we leave this world naked, leaving our bodies behind through whatever way has been opened for us. So the key to life is finding the way to the next life. Jesus basically says the way to destruction is very broad. It's easy. But the way to life is very narrow. So it's my belief that the local church, as agencies of the kingdom of God, and fellow believers as ambassadors for God's kingdom, are waymakers or people that help other people find that narrow way to build a bridge, as it were, from the broad way that leads to destruction to the narrow way that leads to eternal life. My pastor believes, Olin Griffin says, the church is like a funnel. It's broad and yet narrow. Broad in that we connect with the unbelieving world in which we live and narrow in that we connect with our eternal God who calls us to leave the broad way of destruction to the narrow way of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts if they're closed, to hear you say to us what you would have us to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I'd be ignorant to say that Christianity is the only right religion. I don't know what the right religion is. It's just what I believe it is. Some people that I've met, it's just I've had friends, and, and the minute they find out about me or the minute that I, I do anything that doesn't follow their religion, I'm, they don't want anything to do with me. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad that can come out of it. And I'm not sure if it's from religion that the bad or the good comes out of it or whether it's the people. I respect a lot of faiths, and I think that Christianity is the pillar that's influenced by the other great religions in the world. La cristianidad es muy importante porque podemos aprender valores cristianos donde no podemos, donde descubrimos más acerca de nosotros. My view on anyone who claims to have a monopoly on truth is that there's no one truth about anything. I think that a lot of religions say the same thing in different ways. In 1982, I was a college student. This is my picture from that year's yearbook. Yes, I used to have hair. I used to look like me. Now I look like my dad. During this year, I took a semester course called Comparative Religions. It was the effort of the professor to help us broaden our understanding and respect of other people so that we might be more effective as citizens of the kingdom. During that semester, we were to give an oral report of an unusual experience 
where we went to a service or attended a religious ceremony that was unique to our norm. And so that year we had been to the circumcision ceremony at a messianic congregation called Beth Messiah in Gaithersburg, Maryland, where we observed, not up close, but we were in the same room, the circumcision of our eight-day-old nephew. In the midst of his screams, there was praise and worship and people thanking the Lord because this is a joyous thing. This was the first circumcision in their congregation. It was very special to them. I was not celebrating, not so much. So when I gave my report, I used humor. You get the drift? I told about the experience and got some chuckles out of the people. And when I got done, feeling rather smug at my talk, I sat down because other students also had reports of their unique experiences. I don't think it was the next guy, but it was that same day someone stood up and shared his report from an unusual experience he had. And the further he went the more the place he was talking about began to sound familiar. He was talking about the church I was a part of. And boy, was he getting some chuckles. In fact, his concluding points he made were thoughts he had while using our urinal. I was a church janitor. I cleaned that urinal. Very humiliated but humbled. It was a good thing. I needed it. Still do. I went to the professor, not the class, and fessed up. I was too harsh on the thing I attended that I didn't understand. And, and by the way, I thought you needed, needed to know that one of the guys gave a talk about the church I attended. So we both laughed, and he was glad that it happened to me because it helped the point of the class get across. I don't know what your spiritual background is, but maybe we're kind of bizarre to you. And if you were to give a report on today's service, you might get some chuckles if you were to do something similar. And that's fine with me. But what's not fine is for someone to not understand what Jesus is all about. It's all about the narrow way, not our various diverse ways of finding the narrow way and expressing our love for him who is the way. It's about him. Our question we're discussing this week during the Explore God series, over 400 other congregations in this area are going through the same series. And in the middle of the week we meet here, we meet on Wednesdays, and we have six or seven simultaneous discussion groups, a very open forum around tables scattered around the room. And it's a very safe environment for anyone to speak without fear of being mocked, rebuked, or chuckled at. It's good. And then my job is to follow up that week's discussion on the following Sunday. So today we're following up this question, is Christianity too narrow? It's really not a question that's asked in our culture. It's a question based on an accusation that's often made by our culture, that Christianity is too narrow for the 21st century. But let me start at a point which we can agree on. Often, Christians... Not Christianity, but Christians can be too narrow. Some of them can get so narrow to the point they're really no longer Christians. Their attitude no longer expresses the love of Christ. I grew up as a child in a culture where they were very narrow-minded folks. 
the point my dad one time talking about someone he thought was so narrow-minded a flea could land on his nose and black both of his eyes. We were so narrow-minded we were not allowed to uh, play with guns. But if he had a G.I. Joe, he could. So narrow girls couldn't wear makeup, but if they had a Barbie, they could. Or if you had a picture, this is the days before Photoshop, but you could have a picture and have makeup put on the picture. So narrow-minded it was a sin to read the funny papers, but there were certain comics that were approved. So narrow-minded it was a sin to wear seamless hose for women. Now, that same group, I think it would probably be considered a sin to wear seamed hose. You're drawing attention to yourself. We can be too narrow. Jesus came into a culture full of narrow-minded people, and he had this to say about them. He called them blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They make a mountain out of a molehill and a molehill out of a mountain. The problem with being narrow-minded is you can fight over what's right and what's wrong, and you just get devoured by what Jesus called the leaven of the Pharisees. You remember Danny Carvey's church lady? They mocked narrow-minded Christians. Isn't that special? Could it be Satan? But with that being said, we can also be so broad-minded our brains fall out. So broad-minded we really don't think. Just live and let live and push truth, what is true and actual, to the wayside. Barna's survey discovered that nearly half of American adults believe it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow. They're all the same because they all teach the same lessons. If I ask for a show of hands today, some courageous folks might raise their hands and say, that sounds good to me. Broad-minded to think that. Yes, I'm a broad-minded person. But do you really mean to say that David Koresh is the same thing or was the same thing as Mother Teresa? Or ISIS is no different from the Amish? Or this church is no different than Westboro Baptist Church? You know, the one with the ugly signs that funerals or that Christians are no different from Hindus who believe that if a person's poor it's their fault they did something ugly in a previous life they if they got what's coming to them that does not line up with the teachings of Jesus when you really think it through some of the nicest sounding phrases really don't hold together under the light of truth However, narrow-mindedness is not always bad. Preacher, you are contradicting yourself today. Yes, I'm looking at all the different facets of a diamond. We can be too narrow-minded. We can be too broad-minded. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is a time and place for everything. There's a time to be narrow-minded. If you were having surgery, would you want this surgeon, this person, to be broad-minded? Would you want her to have the attitude, oh, tonsils, schmonsils, appendix, appendix, ovaries, schmoveries? No, you would want them to go by the book 
You know, take a magic marker and draw on my skin exactly what you're going to do. Would you want to go to this pharmacist? Oh, I gave out enough blue pills today. How about these pink ones? No, I wanted to be precise while selecting the prescribed controlled poisons my doctor ordered. Would you want your engine designed by an imprecise machinist so that while on vacation it just starts blowing pistons? Those guys use micrometers. They're very narrow-minded. How about our own community? This is Comanche Peak. Would you want the technicians there to be so broad-minded they don't abide by the books? It's my understanding years ago that Granbury had first chance. Hood County had first chance to accept this nuclear plant being built here. Does anybody know if that's true? But those in control at that time were so narrow-minded, they rejected it because it was too dangerous. Only to have it built across county line where we still have the same danger, but none of the tax income benefits. <laughs> You're a hundred yards safer. Meanwhile, our school has to have all kinds of fundraisers for our students, and Glenrose High School students get Apple Airs. So we want city fathers to be broad-minded in some areas and narrow-minded in other areas, but we want everybody working at this place to be narrow-minded. Do we not? Jesus has been accused of being narrow-minded. I, I don't like to say he's narrow-minded. I like to say he's exclusive. He is superior, and he said so. In John 10, he says, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. I am the source to your life. In 14.6 he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, can we say no one? No one comes to the Father except through me. Mwah. Sounds prideful, but it's not if it's true. How many mamas do you have? How narrow-minded of you? When your mama says, I'm your mama, is she being arrogant? She's just stating facts. We should be in awe that, that the Almighty God from whom we are separated by sin, if you don't think there's sin in the world, read the newspaper and watch the news. This place is a mess because of sin. We should be in awe of the fact that Almighty God from whom we are separated by sin and separated from one another by sin has chosen to make a way for us. It is idolatry to want to go your own way. 
If someone asked, came in this room and interrupted the sermon and said, Excuse me, folks, what's the best way to go to Benbrook? A hundred percent of us would say, 377, that away. How narrow-minded of you. But that is the exclusive way to go to Benbrook. best way is stay the speed limit, but that's the way. With that being said, the Lord is exclusive, but he is also inclusive. And this is what people miss out on when they think Jesus is just narrow-minded and let's just pick and choose what he said. And I have a functioning Bible that's about two pages thick. Read everything that he said. He's not only exclusive, he's also inclusive. In Mark 16, he tells his followers who believe in him, who believed he was away, he then told them, go into all the world. Can we say all? And preach the gospel to every creature. Can we say every? Every person needs to hear the gospel. There's no plan B. This commission still stands. Every few years, somebody predicts the end of the world. And the date comes, and the date goes. And they ignore this commission. They ignore what Jesus said in Matthew 24. The whole world will hear the gospel of the kingdom, and then the end will come. Well, is it Christian satellite all around the world? Yes, it is. But you've got to have a satellite dish to pick it up. And you got to have a TV to pick it up. And you got to understand English. When Paul understood the day would come when every tongue, that's every language on the planet, will confess that Jesus is Lord. So we've got work to do. He's inclusive. He's not only exclusive. Yes, he is the only way. But we are not the only people who's following the only way. There's more sheep that are not yet of this fold. Amen? The famous passage, God so loved the world. That includes you. And that includes people that are not you. Includes everyone. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's exclusivity in the midst of inclusivity. That whoever, that's inclusive, whoever, that's whoever, anyone, Believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. His followers understood this. Paul wrote in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 2, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? I am the truth. Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah prophesied a time would come when everyone could know the Lord. And goes on to say, I will be found by whoever seeks me with their whole heart. Peter, one of the closest disciples of the Lord, wrote in his second letter, chapter 3, verse 9. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The Lord promised to return. But it hasn't happened yet. Is he a slacker? No. Here's why. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The end has not come yet because he's not done including people. 
in this call. And we've got a job to do as his people, if you're a believer, to let others know about him. Maybe you're here today and you're not quite a believer. You're considering the claims of Christ. You think you are a believer, but you're not sure. If an atheist challenged you to a debate, you might wilt at the thought. Talking about Christianity being narrow-minded, it takes an open mind to consider the claims of Christ and his good news. Open your mind to the possibility that the resurrection story is true. The resurrection gives credibility to everything Jesus said because he predicted it. He gave us commands, told us how to live, said, Believe in me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God except through me. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The resurrection gives credibility to all the promises he made. There was an empty tomb. They never found the body. Nobody was prosecuted for stealing the body. Even the guards that said they fell asleep, weren't punished for doing so, even though it was punishable by death. History was marked permanently by that event. It's 2015 this year because of the resurrection. Open your mind and consider the truth of what's being declared today. Why do Christians often do this when they worship? We're opening our minds to the Lord. And it's expressed sometimes in a posture, lifting up holy hands to him. Lord, I pray for every person here that knows you. I pray, Lord, you quicken us with an awareness of the need for us to declare you everywhere we go. Make us more effective, courageous, bold witnesses for your exclusiveness expressed through inclusiveness, Lord. My neighbors need to know. And Lord, I pray for anyone here under the side of my voice that has not made that step and become a believer. I pray, Lord, that they would open their minds and stop being closed-minded, open their minds to your claims and to research the resurrection story for themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. ExploreGod.com is a 24-7 available service online where you can check out all kinds of things about Jesus. In conclusion, I've asked Elder Greg to come and share a letter written by an unbeliever who was in the process of opening his heart to the reality of God while serving in Vietnam. This obviously was a, a letter that was written by a man that was walking through the valley of the shadow of death in the early 70s. This letter was given to Ravi Zacharias as, as he evangelized the American soldiers that were in Vietnam. Uh, as part of a Canadian ministry, and this poem was given to him. Lord God, I have never spoken to you, but now I want to say, how do you do? You see, God, they told me you didn't exist, and like a fool, I believed all this. Last night from a shell hole, I saw your sky. I figured right then they had told me a lie. Had I taken time to see the things you made, I would have known they weren't calling a spade a spade. I wonder, God, if you'll take my hand. Sometimes I, somehow I feel that you'll understand. Funny how I had to come 
to this hellish place before I had time to see your face. I guess there really isn't much more to say, but I'm sure glad, God, that I met you today. I guess zero hour will soon be here, but I'm not afraid since I know you're near. The signal, well, God, I'll have to go. I like you lots. I want you to know. Look now, this will be a horrible fight. Who knows, I may come to your house tonight. Though I wasn't friendly to you before, I wonder, God, if you'd wait at your door. Look, I'm crying. I'm shedding tears. I'll have to go now, God. Goodbye. Strange now, since I met you, I'm not afraid to die. The words of someone who is in process of opening their heart and mind to the reality of the amazing world in which we live, created by an almighty God. My challenge today, in conclusion, is for you to open your mind and begin to search for yourself, not what the culture's telling you, but what is God telling you, and where will your research take you? Two people today have answered the call to follow Jesus, and today they're taking the next big step that is something that's a sign that someone has become a believer, and that's fulfilling a desire to be baptized in water. So today... Stormy Lambeth and Amber Copeland are going to be baptized in water. Baptism is a picture of what we believe and putting ourselves in that picture. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. And as believers, we die to sin. Basically, sin is about being your own God. It's idolatry. And when we become believers... We acknowledge God as our God. And we turn from our own Godhood and allowing God to be God. That's death to that self-centered life, living for Christ. And so, just as He was buried for our sins, we are buried to sin and rise to walk in the newness of life from a watery grave in a public service. So at this time, Amber Copeland... Can you come forward with your family and your friends? Christ died for your sins. You believe that He's risen from the dead. All right, forward. All right, Amber Copeland, upon the confession of your faith and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in obedience to His command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of His death. Rising to walk in newness of life. Lord, bless Amber. Fill her to overflow with your spirit. May your reality become more real than ever before in her life. Use her as a light to the nations, we pray. In Jesus' name. You're here today and the Lord is quickening your heart. 
and you've not been baptized since you've been a believer, here is water. What doth hinder you? We even have clothes you can change into. This is Miss Stormy Lambeth. Stormy, we are so thrilled that you worship with us. Amen. Stormy, do you believe that Jesus died for our sins? Do you believe that he's risen from the dead? Have you given him your life? Stormy Lambeth, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you as he commanded in the name of the Father, the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of his death. Rise into walk in newness of life. Lord, bless Stormy for her obedience. Use her, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Baptism is a symbol of the covenant we have with the Lord. Just like a wedding ring is a symbol of the covenant you have in marriage, baptism is our New Testament symbol. It's a whole lot better than that Old Testament symbol. All the men say, thank the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May your heavenly Father lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May you recognize the exclusiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the inclusiveness that includes you in his call to follow him. God bless you. Go get him, tigers. Our God is greater. Our God is greater.